Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Brandon Densmore, who during his near-death experience was shown a possible future reality, which we're going to learn about today. Brandon, thank you for joining me and welcome. Hey, Jeff, and hello, audience. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here today. So I'm not sure really where to start. Uh, four and a half billion years ago, there was a big bang. Is that going back too far? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> unless you and, were, unless you were <laughs> conscious at that point, then let's hear about it. I may have been, but perhaps it's blocked from my uh, conscious rec- recollection of it. I have this little cat in my lap, mm-hmm. Sophia. Mm. She's a Manx cat, and she she sometimes was with me on videos, so she yeah. likes to say hi to the audience. She's beautiful, and she looks really relaxed. She is. She's adorable, and she doesn't have a tail. Oh, wow. She's a Manx cat from the island of Man. Anyway, okay, so... um. Where to start? I was sexually molested when I was eight years old. And that really affected my self-esteem and, you know, my confidence in myself. Um, And, you know, I was bullied in school, um, had a hard time as a kid. And at age 13, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and rheumatoid arthritis. So, um, I was put on pain medication, opiate pain medication at age 14 and ended up becoming dependent and struggled with that throughout my twenties. And then, um, I ended up, so I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade and, um, got some jobs and stuff like that. But I ended up, um, getting a full scholarship to go to Vassar college. in New York. And I was studying philosophy there. And I ended up having a back surgery while I was there. Um, And I would, I would take too much of my medication. So if we reverse, I was in this pattern uh, in my 20s of having these prescription medications, painkillers, and I would end up taking too much of the medication more than I was prescribed. And then I would go into withdrawals, and have to either get some from a friend or just wait till the prescription was filled again. And it was just a really bad cycle. Um, So when I had that back surgery, um, I started doing heroin at school. Uh, I I needed to go to um, do a a test the next day of the back surgery. And I probably should have like canceled the test, but I didn't want to make it up. I was really busy. You know, I was a high school dropout and it was hard going to this college. So I just wanted to get the work done. But anyways, I was introduced to heroin uh, at school. And then after graduation, I started doing more of it. And um, I was still prescribed painkillers and would run out 
And then maybe I would go get heroin from somebody. But anyways, I got really addicted, like bad, like my whole, my whole being was just enveloped in this thing. And, um, in 2014, so I'm, I'm in my mother's apartment and, um, is it all making sense so far? Yes. Okay. I'm in my mother's apartment and I've been in withdrawals. I was on methadone at that point and I'd been in withdrawals for days and just the anxiety, like, like just having like to move, just can't not comfortable in my own skin. Um, every flaw would be glaring at me. Like every flaw, I could see flaws in myself and, and they were just um, exaggerated. Like, and every little annoyance in life was just a shouting voice in my mind. And the uncomfortability, the moving around, the um, un- inability to sleep, the and it was just horrible. So I'm like three days into this withdrawal. I'm in my mom's apartment and my contact brings me some heroin. So I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for the guy to show up. Is this ever going to happen? Is he going to get here? And then finally he gets there and then gives me my heroin, leaves. And I'm, you know, shaking, like breaking it out. And I do some heroin and... Ah, the calmness just comes over me. Finally, the nightmare is over. Finally, I have some peace of mind and I can relax and just gather myself together and think clearly. So these waves of just um, pleasure and calm and serenity just wash over my entire body and oh i just it's like a sigh of relief and then that didn't last very long because i was dying so i overdosed from the heroin i don't know if it had fentanyl in it because that's happening a lot Um, people are doing heroin and dying of overdose because they're cutting it with these other narcotic drugs that are super potent. I don't know if that was the case or if I just had too much, but I was dying. And all of a sudden I'm outside of my body standing beside myself. So have you ever heard that saying that guy was just beside himself? Like he was so upset. He was just beside himself. Well, I was like literally beside myself like looking at myself and I started wondering what the point of my life had been. Like I went to college. um, I had been sexually molested at eight years old, struggled in school, high school dropout, uh, no real direction in life. And now my life was over. And what was the point? What was the point of it? Then I became aware of a presence and I didn't see anything. I didn't see like a person or a spirit or anything like that. I just felt this presence. And it's almost like, you know, how if somebody's standing behind you and they're watching you and you kind of feel it, that's the kind of feeling that I had. And it was like, I just knew that someone was there. And then all of a sudden the whole room changed. It was like I was transported into another reality 
and I was shown visions of the future where I no longer existed. Um, I was shown the people that I would never meet, the adventures that I would never go on, the uh, happy experiences that I would never experience. And then I was shown all of the, um, the people that were affected by my death, like my friends, my family. And I remember in particular, my mother, my poor mother coming into the apartment where I had done that heroin and finding my dead body on her couch. And there was like pus coming out of my mouth, like dripping out of my mouth. And I was just a corpse discolored laying there and she found my dead body and the look on her face was like and my baby my baby <clears throat> so <clears throat> Sorry about that silence, but I just wanted to let that sink in because that hit me hard, right in the gut. It was like I could feel her pain that she had raised me as a little baby. I was her little baby and now I was dead. And at that point, I started to get scared. I was like, whoa, like what is going on here? I'm dead. Like, and then I started um, begging, like, give me another chance. I don't want this to happen. I have to, like, just let me live. I'll do anything that is required to get over this addiction so that this doesn't happen. Um, and then I heard a voice that it wasn't like this, like, loud voice, like God speaking. It wasn't a whisper. It was just a normal matter of fact voice that said you're dead now your life is over and you wasted it and i begged and begged please just give me another chance i don't want this to happen i'll do anything whatever's required and boom back in my body so that's my near-death experience brandon thank you for sharing it who do you think that voice was I don't know if it was if it was God or um, an angel or Jesus or I'm not really sure what it was. It's it's a mystery. Um, it never identified itself, so I'm really not sure. Do you think that that voice was the presence that you felt? From the very beginning. Yes. Definitely. And there was no person. I didn't see any person with that presence. Um, and the voice just came out of thin air. It wasn't someone speaking that was actually there that I could see. When you were first outside of your body, were you still at peace and calm? Or were you already kind of started to feel some type of anxiety because you realized you were outside of your body? I realized I was outside my body, but I didn't have any kind of um, anxiety about it. 
it, it was strange. I was just standing there looking at myself and just contemplating my life and wondering what the point of it was. I was just kind of confused and, and contemplative. Most of the time when we look at ourselves, it's in the mirror or like here on camera, and it's kind of two-dimensional. We're really kind of a flat image. When you were out of your body, did you happen to notice yourself in 3D and see the more depth of your body? And if so, were you surprised by seeing you at that from that viewpoint? Oddly enough, I wasn't surprised. Um, and it was just like um, standing in the room with somebody, like 3D, normal kind of reality, normal vision, just looking at a person, which happened to be myself that was on the couch. Not unusual. So after your NDE, what happened next? Did you quit, you know, using heroin and clean up or what happened? I, I did. Um, I ended up going to a seven day detox and had to learn how to tie my shoelaces again. Hmm. Like my brain was just not working the way it should. So I went through this seven day detox. And then ever since then, I've been clean back from 2014. Um, and but I've had to, you know, go through a kind of spiritual refinement. If you will, there were a lot of demons that I had to face that were within myself, and a process that I had to go through. But when I was shown that future reality, I knew um, the experiences that I could have. So that process of, I had to conf confront many different resentments that I had toward people. I had to confront insecurity about who I am, um, what people think about me, how I view myself, how others view me. I had to confront my fears and my limiting beliefs about all kinds of different things, money, relationships, um, what I'm capable of. And it's been a process, but I feel like because I had that experience that I was shown that I'm here for a reason and that I was given a second chance. So like, I went from having basically nothing back in 2014, but I've gone through this process of spiritual refinement, I like to call it, of get, confronting all of these things that are holding me back within myself. And then going through that process has allowed me to marry a wonderful woman and to buy my own house and to have a new car and to um, help my wife give birth to our son, Daniel, which just happened August 10th, 2022. Um, I started a business and all of these different things just have experienced a lot more joy and fulfillment in life. I, I wish like everybody is, was able to be given a second chance. So many people die of overdoses. I wonder sometimes why isn't ever, doesn't everybody have this kind of experience so that they can enter another reality, you know, but. That's a good question. Have you considered why you were given a second chance? And if so, what is it? Yeah. 
I think, like I said before, that that experience kind of showed me that I'm here for a reason. And I was given a second chance. And then I had to go through all of these um, challenges, self-doubt, fear, anger, um, interpersonal relationships, all of that stuff in order to set me up to be in a position where I can really serve other people on a higher level. How did you go through this spiritual transformation afterwards? Were you guided from a book or a class? So um, I went through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which was really um, people think, oh, you work the steps in a 12-step program and that's the process and you're done. But it's not, that's not the, how it works. But that put me on the path to confronting fear and resentment. And also looking at where I did things wrong in life. The people that I may have wronged or I did something that I shouldn't have done. And then admitting that to whoever was involved and setting things right. Methodically. Like brainstorming out, okay, I wronged this person in this way and then contacting them and doing that over and over again. That kind of like um, freed me a lot from self-doubt and um, it put me more in a position to be more free and relaxed in my own skin um, and just confronting who am I angry at in my life? Who wronged me in some way? And then, like, I'll give you an example. So I was molested when I was eight years old. And I told my dad about it. And he said something like, oh, well, these, these things just happen. No big deal. And, like, the guy went unpunished. There was never anything else said about it. And I took it like um, my dad didn't really love me. Like, wouldn't he, oh, you would think that he would be maybe upset or want to confront this person. He said, no, no big deal. So that I resented him for that. And many things like that have happened throughout life. And then all of those resentments just build on each other. And then you're just kind of an angry person or um, someone who needs to escape from reality to distract themselves from all the things that are going on in the mind under the surface. But anyways, so after that NDE, I actually, um, I knew that I had to confront my dad about it. And uh, I talked to him about it and come to find out he had been molested. So I had carried that around with me for 20 years. And it was based on the perception of an eight-year-old child that was just an incorrect perception of the reality of the situation. So that's what I mean by like um, a spiritual refinement, or I would call it, uh, I like to call it an alchemical spiritual experience because it, it refined my soul. It brought me to a higher level where I no longer had to have those thoughts and feelings of resentment toward my father. How did the people react when you called them up and apologized for your previous behavior? It was a mix, mostly positive, but um, a lot of people are afraid to do that. 
but there was a whole mindset training that took place before I reached out to those people. So I had to know why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I reaching out to these people? And um, what do I hope to achieve? And how do I maintain emotional stability throughout the process? So I wouldn't recommend that people do this without guidance. Isn't the 12 step process kind of based on Carl Jung's work? I'm not sure. I know that um, I do know Carl Jung, fascinating psychologist. Uh, I know that this guy, Bill Wilson, founded Alcoholics Anonymous. And it, that came from another organization that was Christian based. Um, but I'm not sure um, if Carl Jung had anything to do with the creation of the 12 steps. That I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he had anything to do with it, but I thought maybe some of the theory or the philosophy may have been taken from his work. Perhaps. He talks about um, shadow work, like the shadow as a archetype, as a um, an energy, and something that, that you can do, like if you're driven by fear, let's say of public speaking, like getting, doing a video like this, you're nervous. So there's things that you can do to work with that, to look at that and that shadow work, according to Jung. I think also that Jung may have stated that in order to break addictions, you have to have a spiritual experience. And I think that's even kind of part of 12 steps. Yeah, that's the essence of the 12 steps is to have a spiritual experience. That's the, uh, so the 12th, 12th step is like, um, having had a spiritual experience dot, dot, dot. So the whole point really is to give you a spiritual experience, which I had, by the way. So after the NDE, I went through the 12 steps and then continued the refinement work like methodically to be able to put myself into a position where I can really live my purpose because I was given a second chance. I didn't want to waste it. Um, where was I going with that? <laughs> well, you, I think you, we were about to go to what was your second spiritual experience right. that happened? Yeah. Yeah. So I worked those 12 steps and then, um, didn't really have like a spiritual experience, but I was going through a rough patch and um, was meditating and praying about what to do. And then one day I was in my shower. It was early in the morning, taking a shower. And um, that previous night I had been praying a lot. And um, next thing I know, I, I feel a presence descending through my bathroom ceiling. And the best way I can describe it is like a light. And even in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they, they talk about spiritual experiences and they talk about Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous had a white light, a white light experience, a spiritual experience. And there's many different types of spiritual experiences, but I believe that I had a white light kind of experience, which was a visitation. So something came through my ceiling and it was a light and I was in the shower and I was like, what is going on? And the light pierced me. It like, it, 
came in like an x-ray, like going through my body, piercing every part of me. And I started thinking about um, all these areas of my life that weren't what I thought they should be and different things that had happened in my past. And like, uh, oh, I'm not worthy of this to be visited by this, whatever this is. I'm not worthy because look at all of my faults. I'm not um, confident. I'm not, I'm fearful. I'm resentful still. I have all of these different things that have happened in the past. And this light did not care <laughs> at all about any of that stuff. It just pierced right through my body and all of those thoughts. It went through all of it, like an x-ray vision, like just right through. And I just felt this tremendous love and appreciation of who I am. And I just started crying, like just in amazement and awe. And then that gave me the strength really to carry on. Has the memory of this NDE faded over time? A little bit, a little bit, but I keep telling the story. Um, and I think about it and I write about it in my journal, but yeah, it has faded. Did you get any abilities afterwards that you didn't have prior that could be possibly considered psychic? Yeah. Um, one thing is like this, like radical, um, non-judgment, like going back to that spiritual white light type experience that I had, I wasn't judged and the light just penetrated me and it loved me. And that was it. It didn't judge any of those thoughts that I had. So I think that gave me the ability to be in a radically non-judgmental state. Like people can tell me things and I'll hear it and there's no judgment. Like it's easy to say, oh, I'm non-judgmental. Like that's not what I'm talking about. It, it's hard to put into words, but it's, I'm able to look past it maybe and to see the value in the person. I was thinking maybe you're non-reactive. Non-reactive. That's an interesting idea. Say more. Just like, you know, I mean, it, for some people, if they hear or see something, they uncontrollingly have an emotional reaction to it. So maybe, mm. maybe that, I don't know. Maybe. But... I would assume you're still having this non-judgment either because you're not thinking, oh, I can't believe he did, he or she did that, or that's terrible. Right, that right, right. That, or that's amazing that they did that. There's just kind of no thought at all. Yeah. 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 And you can, it's like, you can think that you're a non-judgmental person, but if someone tells you something, you'll still have those thoughts. Like, I don't even have the thought. It's like a non-reaction. Yeah. It's like, okay, that happened. So how you doing? <laughs> now you have become a certified spiritual mindset coach. Is that something similar to being like a 12 step coach? Or would you say it's something completely different? I would say that it's <clears throat> has some similarities, but it's definitely different. Um, 
I use a lot of different like coaching techniques that are not 12 step related, but sometimes like the dealing with resentments and that kind of stuff will come up. And I use tools um, that I learned in AA for that. But um, I would say that they're pretty different. Who are the type of people that see you and what do they see you for? I'm a spiritual mindset coach, but I'm also a business consultant. So really I'm here. My purpose is to be here for spiritually minded individuals who are trying to start or grow a business, but the business isn't just about making money. It's about sharing their gift with the world and really being there for other people. Can you give me an example of a business like that? Uh, let's see. Well, my business is like that for one. Um, so I started my business uh, in 2018 and actually incorporated it in 2020. But um, that's really a product of my near-death experience and the spiritual experiences that I've had and the, um, the personal refinement that I've gone through. So it's like that business isn't separate from my, from my spiritual practice, if that makes sense. It's like when I first started, I had to, uh, I was into nonprofits and, um, now the business that I have is for profit, but I've learned that you can, you're worthy of making money. First of all, that what you do matters and, um, it's of value and you need to charge for it. Um, but that's a different story. I don't want to go off on a tangent too much. Um, but yeah, just that the business is really aligned with your, your principles, your spirituality, and it's there to really serve and make a difference. What inspires you about your NDE? What inspires me that, um, that there are realities that, you know, we can be in a mundane kind of reality where we're used to things a certain way and that all can shift. And, um, there's so many possibilities to reality. Um, that inspires me. It inspires me that I didn't die, that I'm here, um, for a reason, um, that I'm on an important mission and, um, I'm here to experience fulfillment and joy and happiness. And yeah. Do you fear death at all? No. No. It's, it's weird not to fear death. It's strange. Um, I fear public speaking, <laughs> but not death. It's weird. Um, I think there's the top three things that people fear in their life. And one of them is public speaking. Yeah. And that's part of why I'm here because, um, I'm, I'm speaking right now and I'm calm. That's great. But that wasn't always the case, but I've, I've gone through that spiritual refinement where I've, I shed the resentments, the anger, the fear, the self doubt, um, all of that has been kind of flushed out of my system. And now I can just enjoy being on camera and sharing my story with other people. Um, and part of what I do is to help others be able to do that. Are there certain patterns that people have 
and resentments, angers, and fears. Certain patterns. Like there's certain commonalities. Like, you know, most people are afraid of like public speaking or most people resent this or most people are angry about this. There's usually, um, you know, resentments with family. It might be institutions, like things that happened um, while you're in education, maybe at school or um, in religions, like at church, somebody did something, um, but they're all different. But what I think is uh, most important is the feelings that you have, like being able to identify when you're having this resentment, like, okay, so you resent your dad, right? For something. And then something happens in your life that subtly reminds you of it. And then you have this feeling. So that's like the key that can unlock the door. Because if you can recognize that you're having the feeling, you can get to the root cause. You have to change the way you think about things and the way you feel about things. Do you think a lot of our resentments and fears are misunderstanding of events that happened in life? And when you go back and re-examine them, then you can clear up the misunderstanding? They oftentimes are, definitely. And you carry it around with you for so long that when you finally can like confront the person, um, it can be a huge weight just lifted off your shoulders and it brings you one step closer to living a better, more authentic life. You were first outside of your body and then you were just transferred or transformed into a new reality. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it was like a future reality where I didn't exist. And it was like the, the holodeck from Star Trek. And I don't know how many of your fans have seen Star Trek, but the holodeck is like this computer program that can create any kind of reality that you want. It, it, you're in a room, all the walls are black, and then boom, like you could be on Mars or you could be on the moon or you could be in Tokyo. And it, uh, and it just materializes all around you like instantly. And um, you can speak to anybody you want. You can go anywhere you want and you can do anything you want inside of this like simulated reality. And that's what it was like. I was just, um, I was in the room one moment and then everything dissolved. And then I'm somewhere else looking at another reality, a reality where I didn't exist. So it was more like you were in a reality invisibly watching it instead of like seeing this reality being played on a screen. Exactly. Three-dimensional there, like seeing the people that I would never meet. Um, and I was shown like, if you, if you, um, if you were alive, you would meet this person and this is what would have happened. Did you, you have would have been friends, their life would have been transformed. And look, here's the son that you never had. These events in the future that you were shown, did they come to pass? Like, did you finally meet these people? And does your son look like what you saw during your NDE? I can't remember if my son looks like um, what I was shown in the M NDE. It's kind of fuzzy in my memory. But um, 
so many wonderful things have come to pass since that. Like when I had had that NDE and in the situation that I was in, addicted to the drugs, I would have never imagined that I could live a life like I'm living now. Like I was living in an apartment, broke, going nowhere, addicted, um, with no hope of escape. And now it's like, I have so much more fulfillment in life, so much more peace of mind. Um, like I said, I have a, a beautiful house out in the country, my own garden. Um, my son who was just born, a wonderful wife, money in the bank, you know, I have my own business and life has just taken on a whole new significance and it's just wonderful. In the beginning, I said this was a possible future reality, but it seems like it could be considered you saw the future because you're living it. That's true. That's true. But um, in the reality that I was shown, it was like um, I wasn't there. Like I was shown like the people that um, I would have met. But yeah, it's strange. It's weird to think about. Mm -hmm. Was right. it a few? Was it the future, or was it um, a holodeck? It makes me think that is this entire reality that we live in a holodeck or a simulation? Yeah, it might be. It might be. There are these videos floating around on YouTube about these um, glitches in the matrix. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of these paranormal, paranormal videos. I may have seen something like on another platform. Like rain coming down in one spot. Just like, and the camera goes up and there's nothing. It's just the sky. And then it goes down and it's just water coming down in one spot for like an hour. Or like floating rocks. People find, look at the stone and it just floats. Glitches in the matrix, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's a reality where I did die. Like a multiverse. Mm. Or a parallel universe. And I, I don't have really have the answers. But um, there are some really interesting and strange things that happen. To people, as you well know, <laughs> Jeff, what do you think the takeaway is from this? Um, so I shared this story and uh, of my life. What do you think that the viewers can appreciate about this story? And what's the takeaway that they're going to really get from this? Well, you know, the big thing is that you can change if you want to. And um, not only that, but change is possible. Mm. And do people, do people feel like, um, like they can't change? I'm sure some people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I think that that's true. Um, and that, you know, there might be the, the one thing that I did that really transformed my life was that one going into that detox, that one decision. So like there can be one crucial decision that you can make that will ch completely alter the course of your life. And there are maybe spiritual powers at work that are trying to lift us up 
that are there to assist us in making those important decisions. It's interesting that you use the word choice because literally my last NDE podcast, we talked about choices and in another previous NDE, we talked about choices and basically life is just about choices. Yeah. And the key is, uh, is, um, making the most beneficial choices so that you can not only have more joy and fulfillment in your life, but that spreads to other people so that they can have more joy and fulfillment. Yes. Like a ripple, a ripple effect. Yep. Yes, sir. But I feel like we're being brought somewhere. What do you mean being brought somewhere physically or spiritually? um, Maybe both. Like, if that intervention hadn't happened, I could have just died. So, but I didn't. And then this other future reality was created where I am now. So it's like we're something is steering us in a direction. And maybe there are maybe there are dark forces that are trying to pull us down. I mean, you can see that all over the world with war and hunger and poverty, blah, 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 blah. But then there's these positive forces that are trying to help us, trying to bring us into a better existence. Before your experience, were you a religious or spiritual person? And I'm assuming now you would consider yourself a spiritual person? I would consider myself a spiritual person. I was raised um, in a religious household, um, alternative religion, and... um, I was never baptized and didn't really, you know, I kind of rebelled against religion when I was in my teens. Um, but I've always been interested in spirituality uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? I am totally open to that. I want to tell this story to um, different people, and I have other things that I'd like to share. Um, I am open to conversations. Uh, You can reach out to me on Facebook. That's the best place. Um, Maybe, Jeff, you can share a link to my personal Facebook page with your video, and uh, that would be the best place to reach out to me. Okay, so you have like a page for your business or something? I do. Yep. What is it called? It's Brandon Densmore. Gathered Minds Media. And yeah, if you send me a link, I'll put it in the description below the video. Okay, thank you. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? I'm working on a a PDF product right now um, about how to build your tribe using Facebook Live without fear. So uh, you all can stay tuned for that. It's going to be really good. Brandon, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Become your own best friend. Um, You have these negative thoughts. I think we all do. We judge ourselves. We judge other people. But just leave the judgments behind and um, give yourself a pat on the back and learn how to become your own best friend because um, when you can do that, then you're really experience a lot more freedom and a better life. Brandon, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.